Thank you, Gloria. Wasn't that beautiful? For those who may not have recognized it, although most did, it's called My Tribute, also to God Be the Glory. It's by Andre Crouch. It was written back in the 80s. And every time we sing it, it blesses our hearts to think of what he did for us and how we should give our tribute to him by giving our lives fully to him. And so if I could have picked a song for her to sing, that would have been it. It goes with the message. It doesn't cease to amaze me how the Holy Spirit orchestrates everything. And I didn't know what she was going to pick. She didn't know what I was going to speak on. Sherry didn't know what that card that she was going to write was going to tie. I mean, it's, it's amazing. But we thank God for what he's done for us. Shall we just open in prayer? Father, we just thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came all the way from heaven to give his life in our place on the cross. We just pray, Lord, that we will never forget that. We will never forget to be grateful, to be thankful, to live our lives completely for him who loved us and gave himself for us. We just pray now that you will hide me behind the cross, Lord, and that your word would go forth, that the words that are spoken will be your words and that they will touch lives, save souls and build up the body, Lord. Just please take care of all those who are on vacation. Bring them back safely. Give them a wonderful time. And just help each one of us, Lord, every day to be thankful, to be obedient, to trust in you. And we ask this in Jesus' precious and worthy name. Amen. Today at the sharing that we had during the, main, during the break, I ask you to use your sanctified imaginations to, to imagine the gifts that would be, would be there, right? Well, today, during the message, I'm going to ask you not to use your sanctified imaginations, but to use your life, to think of your life this morning, to think of your life and ask yourself this question. Is the Lord Jesus Christ the priority of my life? Is he first in everything that I do? That's a challenging question that each person has to ask to answer We have to answer that question for ourselves. A husband can't answer the question for his wife and the wife can't answer the question for her husband. You can't answer it for your kids or your grandkids or your relatives or your friends. Each person has to look deep into their own heart and ask, is the Lord first in my life? Or do I just give lip service to that? Do I say, yeah, the Lord Jesus is first in my life. Jesus is Lord. It's easy to say it, much more difficult to do it, to put him first in everything so that our lives will revolve around his will and his purpose and not the other way around. Some people try to fit the Lord Jesus into their life. Oh, Lord, here's your here's your part in my life. And you you stand there and I'll do this and I'll do that. And when I need you. When something really hard comes along and really difficult I'm going through, then I'm going to call on you to help me. But for right now, you just sit there in the passenger seat. I'll drive. I'll take over here. That's not what the Christian life is all about. The Christian life is all about is the Lord Jesus is in charge of it. He is Lord. He is boss. He is king. And we need to not only say that he's first, we have to live that way. So that our co-workers will see that he's first. Our neighbors will see that he's first. Our brothers and sisters in Christ in the church will see that he's first. 
It's actions. People want to see actions. They don't want to hear sermons and words as much as they want to see a sermon. Like the person that said, said that very thing, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. And so people are watching our lives. But he wants us to put him first. The title of our message is, Put God First. Put God First in everything that we do. A few weeks ago, uh, a couple weeks ago, actually, almost three weeks ago, I got the mail down here and I took it upstairs and there was a magazine in it. And it was wrongly sent to us. And we haven't, there hasn't been an occupied building here since 2010 because we moved in in 2010. So the occupants of this building were here like four years ago, right? So they're still getting mail. Every once in a while, I'll get mail for people that used to have this building. Well, this was the case here. So I said, I'm just going to look through it and then I'll get rid of it and toss it. And I was just kind of thumbing through it. it nothing special. All of a sudden, on one of the pages, and get this, it wasn't a Christian magazine. It wasn't a Christian thing at all. It said Proverbs 3, 6. I go, okay, this is a verse. I better take a look at this a little more closely here. It's a verse. And it said this, In everything you do, put God first, and He will direct you and crown you, your efforts, with success. I said, wow, that is beautiful. That is amazing. And I wasn't familiar with the version. I didn't know what version of the Bible it was. So where did I go? I went to the gateway that we have on our website and I looked it up, Proverbs 3, 6, and I kept going through versions until I finally found it, the Living Bible. The Living Bible is not a translation, but a paraphrase, but it really puts it right down to where we live. It puts it in language we can all understand. It's clear. It's direct. In everything you do, put God first and He, that is God, the Lord, will direct you and crown your efforts with success. I thought, Lord, that is a wow verse. That is a tremendous verse. And it's really, really encouraging. And so I started thinking about it and I've been thinking about it ever since in how the Lord wants to be first in my life, in everything. And so we're going to look at three things today from this, from this verse. And number one is there's a command. Put God first. It says in everything you do, put God first. That's a commandment. Number two, there's a promise. And He will direct you. That's a promise you can count on. And number three, there's a result. That He will crown your efforts with success. So that's our message today. It's simple. It's powerful. Because when you think about it, in order to get the result, you have to claim the promise. And in order to claim the promise, you have to obey the command. So it all fits together. And whenever you study the promises of God in the Old Testament, always look, there's always a command attached to it. In order to get the promise, there's something you have to do. You have to trust the Lord. You have to obey the Lord. So many things. The verse that we have for next week in the Scripture memory class is Isaiah 41.10. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will, I will help you. And it's got five different promises in that verse. So when you study it this week and think about it, think of the promises of God. But it tells us in there to get those promises, don't fear. Don't be dismayed. Don't go off on your own. 
And so the Lord wants us to put him first in our life. But it's amazing how simple it is and yet how convicting it is. Because the one word that really convicts me in this verse is the second word in the verse. Let's say it together. In one more in everything. Now, it's one thing to put God first, right? But when he says in everything, you mean everything? I mean everything. There's there's no way that there's any wiggle room to that, right? There's no escape clause, there's no legalese, right? We have some attorneys in our midst. We have Dave and we have we have Mark. And you know, in the legal world, there's always some kind of legal ease, some way you can get out of something, right? There's no way you can get out of that. In everything you do, put God first. That, to me, is very, very challenging. Simple, clear, direct, but much more difficult to do than it is to say. Yes, God wants us to put him first. It's like in the New Testament where it says this in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. So that doesn't give any wiggle room either. That means everything that you have, you should be thankful for it, right? And then in, in Philippians 4.6, it says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. That means we should pray about everything. So when the Bible says everything, you can't get out your dictionary and try to explain it away or anything. Everything means everything. And that's the challenge of it. He wants to have first place in our hearts in everything that we do. You know, when David passed the torch to his son Solomon, and how would you like to follow David? And here comes Solomon to follow his reign. And David was a man after God's own heart. He was the greatest king of Israel. And here comes Solomon along. And David gives him some, some words. Before David went home to be with the Lord... He gave these words to his son Solomon to encourage him in First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. He says, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches the hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Solomon is a great example in the scriptures of a person that had all the blessings, all God's truth, wisdom, everything. And he started off so well in his life, didn't he? He was great. He built the the temple. He honored God. He put God first in his life. All of a sudden, he says, I want to marry Pharaoh's daughter. His life started going downhill. He started marrying other foreign women. He started accumulating more women, wives and concubines. And the scripture says he had a thousand of them. And what did these women do? They took his heart away from the Lord. And instead of worshiping the true and living God, he started worshiping idols and going by what these women said, these foreign women that he married. And his life went downhill fast. It's not enough to just start off well in our lives, in our Christian walk. We have to finish it. We have to continue. We have to be finishers. And we have to put him first in our lives. The Lord looks at our life. You get saved when you're a young Christian, right? You put him first. Then as you grow up and become more mature, you put him first. As you get older in life, you put him first. We have a lady here who's going to be celebrating her 91st birthday. Is it tomorrow? Tomorrow, Lorraine Welsh. Let's give her a big hand. 91. 
Yes. And if you ask Lorraine at the age of 91, you're putting the Lord first in your life. And I know she does. She does. She puts the Lord first. And that's something we should do whether we're younger or older. Put the Lord first. And that's what he wants us to do. Paul wrote some challenging words in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. And he puts it very clearly for us that he wants us to surrender fully to the Lord and put him first. It says, and he, that is Christ, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. You know, we don't use this word preeminence very many times in our society today in, in popular usage. You don't hear it on TV, you don't hear it on the radio, you don't hear it spoken. But the word preeminence is a great word. Because it means if you give somebody a preeminent place, you're putting him on the very top. And I like what Jim said during the scripture memory class. The Lord is the top of the top. He's beyond what we can even uh, put at the top of our list. He wants to be first place. He doesn't want just a, a part of our lives or a part of our hearts. He wants to be first in our lives in everything that we do. In the New King James Version, Proverbs 3, 6, it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him that he's in control, that he is first in our lives. Now, how many have heard that jealousy is bad, right? Jealousy is bad, right? It's normally we say jealousy is a sin. It's a bad thing. But when it comes to the Lord and his affection over us, jealousy is not a sin. He loves us so much and he wants us to put him first so badly that he gets jealous over us. He's a jealous God. And we read it very clearly in the scriptures, many places. And I'm going to quote one of them here, read one of them to you. Deuteronomy chapter six, verses 14 and 15. And wouldn't it have been good if Solomon had remembered these verses because of what he did? It says, you shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. The question is, do we practice it? Do we put him first? Do we really do it? Someone put it this way. Do you walk the talk? You know, we're real good talkers. We talk a real good game. But when the game is played, you got to put talking aside. You know, nowadays you see trash talking is done a lot, right? In sports, you see one player, he puts down the other one, he talks trash. They call talking trash. Sometimes they do it during the game, all the way through the game. It's terrible. I don't agree with that or I, I don't like it at all. But if we're going to talk the talk, we got to walk the walk. You know, we can't just say the Lord's first. Jesus is Lord if we don't practice it. We have to put him first. We have to evidence it. We have to show it in our lives. And when we do that, it will be a blessing. You know, when the Lord calls you, you can't put it on voicemail. So many times you get a call, right? And you see that call from a certain number. And what do you do? You don't answer it. You let it go to voicemail. You let it go to voicemail. And I know that because I got a lot of customers. I'm trying to reach them on the phone. They let it go right into voicemail. <clears throat> the call that you're trying to it cannot be completed at this time. <clears throat> Things like that all the time, all the time. But when the Lord calls us, he gets our attention, doesn't he? And he does it subtly sometimes at first, and then he gets our attention in a more major way sometimes. He wants us to put him 
first. He's more important than anything else. There's a story that I read that shows about how certain things are more of a priority than others. One day there was a situation down in San Antonio, Texas. It was 99 degrees outside on a September day and a 10-month-old baby girl was locked inside the car that her aunt had been driving. Frantically, the mother and the aunt ran around the car in near hysteria while the neighbor tried to open the door with a clothes hanger. And I remember years ago, that's how we had to try to get in our cars when we couldn't do it. We'd try to get the clothes hanger, right? You'd dip it down inside there and try to pull the, the thing up. Cars are so different nowadays, you can't do that. But that's what they did in this case. And soon, the infant was turning purple and started to foam at the mouth. So it's now getting really dangerous. It's getting to be a life and death situation. And it was just about that time when a man named Fred Ariola, a record driver, arrived at the scene. What did this man do? He grabbed a hammer and broke through the back window and got the infant out of the car. So you'd think, right, this man's going to be heralded as a hero. But he said, he said this, the lady was mad at me because I broke the window. I mean, talk about a wrong priority, how you've got everything backwards. You can replace a window, right? The broken window, you just go and you have insurance and, and you get it replaced. But can you replace that baby? No. And there's so many times in life where we put our priorities backwards. The Lord wants to be first. He wants us to put our family second. He wants us to put things in order, right? And, and the job should not be at the top of the list. It shouldn't. The career shouldn't be at the top of the list. There shouldn't be anything at the top of the list except the Lord himself. He has to have first place. And when we do that, it becomes important to live for him, to live for his kingdom, to live for his glory and to do it every day. Paul said in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 10.1, he says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's what it means to put him first, is you do all for the glory of God. And when you're interested in the glory of God, you're not concerned about getting any credit for yourself. You want to put him first and let anybody else get the credit. I don't care. I'm just going to do it for the Lord. And I'm going to read you a few things here. When the Lord is first in your life, Think about it this way. When the Lord is first, reading and studying the word of God is important, right? When the Lord is first in your life, prayer is important. When the Lord is first in your life, witnessing is important. When the Lord is first in your life, serving others is important. When the Lord is first in your life, it's, it's important to come to all the meetings of the uh, church. And when, the Lord, when, and when the Lord is first in your life, giving to the Lord. We took an offering to giving to the Lord is important. So think of that. If the Lord is first, these things are going to be true, right? You're going to put the Lord first and you're going to have a hunger for the word. You're going to desire to pray. You're going to pray. You're going to witness. You're going to serve. And you're going to come to all the meetings and you're going to give everything you have to the Lord, right? When he's first. Now, let's turn that around and flip it around and ask and look at it from the other perspective. What happens if the Lord is not first in your life? Let's say something has crept in your life and has become a little more important than the Lord, a little bit more important than the Lord's work. This is what happens. When the Lord is not first, reading and studying the word of God is not as important. When the Lord is not first, prayer is not 
as important. When the Lord is not first, witnessing is not as important. When the Lord is not first, serving others is not important, as important. When the Lord is not first, coming to all the meetings is not as important as it used to be. And when the Lord is not first, giving to him is not as important. Do you see how it works? When you put him first, these things are important to you. You're not going to let anything stop you. But when he's not first, and he comes down, he slips down a second notch or a third notch, all these things that used to be really important to you are not quite so important anymore. Isn't it challenging? Isn't it convicting? Don't we want to put the Lord first in our lives? I think we do. Secondly, not only do we need to follow this command to put the Lord in first in everything, because he says, in everything you do, put God first. But now he says what God will do when we do put him first. He takes over in our lives. It says he will direct you. He will direct you. Yes, there are many things in life that we can't control. We're not going to know what's going to happen to us tomorrow. We're not even sure what's going to happen to us in a few minutes after the meeting's over. I mean, I'm getting in. Alan's going to drive me to the airport, right? He's going to drive me to that airport and say, bye, Alan. Thanks for the ride. I'm going to go. I'm going to go through the security. I'm going to wait for my flight. I'm going to get on the flight. But how do I know if I'm going to arrive safely or not? I'm in God's hands. I'm trusting him, but I'm putting him first. I'm trusting in him that whatever happens to me, it's under his control. I have no control. I put all my faith and trust in him. Not in Southwest Airlines, not in the best pilot. This pilot might be the best pilot on Southwest Airlines staff. He might have been voted pilot of the month, maybe even pilot of the year. He might be the best. Like Sully Sullenberger was a great pilot, right? He landed that plane in the, in, the, in the Hudson River and saved all those people when they were about to crash. It was amazing. You can have a great pilot, but I would rather have the Lord Jesus Christ as my pilot. And I want him to pilot my life. I want him to drive my life. I want him to use me in life, but I've got to put him first. I can't say, well, I'm going to put him second. No, in everything, put him first. And when we do that, he will direct our lives. He will guide us. He will watch out for us. He will take care of us in this world. If you look at this verse from Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9, Ed will put it on the verse on the board. It's a tremendous verse about how God directs us and guides us in our lives. It says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You know, you can have all your itinerary planned out for your vacation. You can have everything ready for your work schedule, where you're going to go on a business trip, what you're going to do, what you're going to say. You can have everything planned out, what you're going to do at the family reunion or all these things, wherever you're going to do, whatever you're going to do. Or kids at school, you study for the test. But when we, we put the Lord first, we leave it in his hands. He will direct us. He's promised to direct us and to direct our lives in the best way. And he has a plan for us. He has a plan for our lives. I love my car. It's a Ford uh, Fusion. And in the Ford Fusion, it has this nav system and it has these, these commands. And you get a turn-by-turn navigation, right? You can get to your destination. Well, can you imagine this? 
I have a navigation system, a little portable one I really like. It's a Garmin. And I have this Garmin navigation system. And lately I've been seeing, please update this by going to this website and updating it. Because things change in the world, don't they? New streets come. Street names can change. Things can happen. They build a new subdivision so forth. You've got to get changes to it. I thank God that the Lord Jesus said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank God that this Bible does not change. It's God's written word for us. It's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. What I read today, if I read it tomorrow, it's going to be the same. If I read it in a week from now, the same. A year from now, the same. Our whole life is the same. Now, we get a different blessing out of different portions, right? We might read one portion today and get something for our life, then we read it again later and get a different lesson. And that's true, very true by the Holy Spirit. But the words are the same. They don't change. We don't need to update the Bible and get the new version, right? We don't have to get a a new, you know, go on to a website and say, I better update my Bible because this one's too old. No, God's word is just as relevant and practical as it was when it was first written. It's so true. Whether you read the book of Proverbs or any other book in the scriptures, it's like you're reading today's news. I mean, it's amazing. And God is so good. And he directs us into this into this world where we go. And he is the pilot, like I said. And he gets us to our heavenly destination by the best route possible. Have you ever seen these navigation systems? Some will get you there the quickest way, the shortest way. But God gets us there the best way. And sometimes we have to look at it this way. God's route for us in life is not always the shortest. It's not always the quickest. But it, and it's not always the easiest. But in God's navigation, in God's direction, in His plan for our life, it's the best route to get us there. You know, we can sit down and say, Lord, I know a much faster way. Like Alan's going to be driving today. I say, Alan, don't go that way. Let's take this way instead, right? Or we'll get lost off the path. No, the Lord has the best way to get for our destination to get that way if we trust in him. We complicate it, though. We mess it up. We say, Lord, I know a better way. I know a faster way. I know a way that I've done before. It'll work, Lord. Sure, it'll work. No. So what do we do? We go off in our own way. And then the Lord says, it's not working, is it, Dean? Like when the Lord Jesus appeared to his disciples and he said, children, have you caught any fish? Right? In the 21st chapter of Rome. Have you caught any fish? No, Lord, we haven't caught one single fish. And these were good fishermen. They knew where to fish, when to fish, how to fish. They caught nothing. But the Lord was teaching them in the Lord's work. If you do it on your own and you go off on your own path, it's not going to work. It is not going to work. It's not going to fit. It's not going to work. You know, you can go into a store, ladies or gentlemen, to buy a nice pair of shoes and you like those shoes. But if they don't fit, they're not going to work. They're not going to work. You can bring them home. You can like them. You say, I don't want to return these. But what do you do? You return them. They don't fit. They don't fit. And our plans, our will, our desires, they don't fit. God's plan fits. It works. He directs our lives in everything that we go through. Because life can be difficult. It can be complicated. It can be frustrating, especially when we're trying to do it ourselves. But it's not frustrating when we know the one who designed the road is the one who is driving us on the road. And that's the Lord. 
He built the road. How would you like to be along with the engineer who built the freeway? You say you feel pretty good because you're driving on this road that the, the engineer designed and built. The Lord built the road and he wants us to go on it. But can you imagine if you were Abraham? And the Lord says, okay, Abraham, I want you to, to leave your family. I want you to leave your relatives. I want you to leave your father's house and go in the way that I'm going to show you. He didn't tell him where he was going, did he? He didn't tell him the way that he was going to take or what he was going to do on the way or what is going to happen when he gets there. He said, just follow me. And that's what the Lord does. He says, put me first. In everything, put God first and he will direct you. He will direct you. And that's encouraging to me because the same thing also happened to Noah when the Lord asked him to build that ark. He built that ark and how long did it take him? One 120 years. Do you ever think he got frustrated with this? Taking a little bit longer, Lord, than I thought it was going to take. It's a little bit harder. Couldn't we go out in the community and get a few more people and round them up and maybe they could help us build it a little faster? He says, no. No unsaved hands are going to touch this ark. It's going to be built by you and your sons. That's it. And you're going to build that ark and he built it for the salvation of his household and for the saving of the animals. And it's amazing what, what God did. Joseph, in the New Testament, listened to the angel. The angel directed him and said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Then he came and he told him, take Mary and go to Egypt. And then he appeared to him again. Now come back from Egypt. All along that way, he directed him. Because Joseph put him first, Joseph listened. He took Mary as his wife. He took her to Egypt and he brought her back again. He didn't add his own plan. Well... Lord, now we're in Egypt. It's, it's comfortable here. We'll stay here for a while. No, he didn't add anything to God's plan. God's plan was simple. Take her as your wife. Go to Egypt. And then when I tell you, come back. And he did it exactly God's way. The problem we get into is we start doing it God's way, but then we think we can maybe add a little caveat to it. Maybe make it a little better. It doesn't work. It makes it worse. It really does. And the key is, to see how when we put God first, everything else turns out. Think about Joshua and Caleb when they were two of the spies and the other ten were all against them and said, we can't go into that land. What? There's giants there. They're big and strong and they've got fortified cities. There's no way we can conquer them. And Joshua and Caleb said, wait a minute. God's bigger than that. We can go and let's take it right now. And because they did that and put the Lord first, the Lord brought Joshua and Caleb into the promised land. Every one of those spies died in the wilderness, as well as all the people that didn't believe and all the adults and all their kids who they said they were afraid to lose. They were the ones that went into the promised land. When we put God first, he takes care of everything. And so now we've seen two things. We've seen the command in everything, put God first. And we've seen this promise that when we do that, he will direct you. And now we see the result. He will crown your efforts with success. I oftentimes think about how tough that must have been for Joshua to take over the leadership of the nation of Israel after watching Moses. You know, first of all, how do you fill the shoes of Moses? Maybe a size 15 or a size 20. If you put your foot into Moses' shoes, that's pretty big. But God said this, Joshua... Don't try to be like Moses. Don't try to do it like he did it. Don't try to do like how she did it. God has given you a plan for your life, 
for my life. He wants us to be the people we are. He wants to take our personality and our, and our education and our skills and talents and abilities and use them for the glory of God. Don't try to copy somebody else. Be your own person with the talents and gifts God has given you. And that's what Joshua did. And so the Lord encouraged him in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 when he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You know, it's not enough in life to have success. We want to have good success. And good success, by this definition, is doing it God's way. Not doing it the way of the world. The way of the world is the way to climb the corporate ladder is to step over the people under you, right? You step over them to get to the top. You don't care. Nothing's going to stop you. In the Christian life, to get ahead, to be successful is a good thing, but not at the expense of others and not at the expense of putting the Lord not first. Because so many people say, well, my job is important and I get up in the morning at this early hour and then I work and I come home really late. Yeah. Is God first? Is your family ahead of of the job? No. What happens is we turn around our priorities and put them in wrong and they won't fit. They won't work. They won't. But when we do it God's way and put him first, it says he crown, he will crown your efforts with success. When God puts his stamp of approval on my life or his stamp of approval on your life, you can know with confidence and assurance that you do have true success, true blessing, because we're doing it God's way. When we put him first and honor him and let him lead our life, he gives us the best life. I think of three men in the Bible who were politicians. They were they were statesmen. They were men who God put into political life. And they were Joseph, Daniel, and Nehemiah. Each one of those put God first in their life. And because they did, they did great things for God. And they didn't use their job as an excuse. Well, I'm busy here with the king. I'm busy doing this. I can't do that. I better not say that because the king won't like it. I better not not eat his food, right, with Daniel and his friends and so forth. But when we put the Lord first, people will respect us. If we don't, if they see an inconsistency, are they going to respect your Christian walk? Are they going to respect you at all? No. But when they know you're a Christian and you practice it and live it, they're going to respect you because they see you've put Christ first in your life. That he means something to you. And when those neighbors in Sean and Lydia's new neighborhood saw all these men coming in to move them, it makes a difference. It makes an impact. People see it that the Lord comes first. I mean, these men gave up their Saturday morning, maybe into their Saturday afternoon in order to serve the Lord. And whenever we do that and put him first, he will crown our efforts with success. He'll do it. He'll crown our efforts But you see, God's standards are higher and different than the standards of this world. God's way of looking at success, totally opposite. That's why when the San Antonio Spurs were playing basketball in the championship round, how many were rooting for San Antonio? And how, were there some that were rooting for San Antonio? And, and why were you rooting for San Antonio? Because they were the good guys. They were the guys that played together as a team. If, if their teammate was open and they had a shot for the basket that looked pretty good, but their teammate had a better shot, they, they'd pass the ball to the teammate. 
They did the, the little things like rebound and box out for rebounding. And they did all those things. They dived for the loose balls. They wanted it more. They wanted to win it so bad. And they did it in an honest way. You didn't hear them trash talking. You didn't hear any of those things going on from the Spurs. People may not like the Spurs. They might even root against the Spurs, but they respect the Spurs because of the way they are. Now, one individual on that team is named Tim Duncan. He's not from the United States. He's actually from the Virgin Islands. He came to the United States. He played basketball in college and he went into the pros. And one of the best things that happened to Tim Duncan was he got drafted by the San Antonio Spurs. And who was playing for the San Antonio Spurs at that time was a man named David Robinson. He went to the Naval Academy, he served his country, and he went and played basketball in the NBA. And he had an impact, a great impact. You never heard David Robinson cursing or swearing. You never heard him talking trash. You never heard him heard of him giving elbows to people on purpose and doing all those things that a lot of people do. People respected him. Well, he took Tim Duncan under his wing. And he taught Tim Duncan to play the game the right way, to do it the right, the right way and, and to be a team player and all of that. So whenever I see Tim Duncan, I think of David Robinson. And I think of all the hard work Tim Duncan put into it. And remember last year when he had, the sh- he had a shot last year to win the championship over the Miami Heat? They were playing the same team again this year and they beat them. But last year... He was so close to the basket. I mean, you could say anybody could make it. He could make that shot in his sleep and he missed it. Imagine how bad he felt. Well, for all those 12 months from the time they lost that championship, that team wanted to win it so bad. Now, a lot of teams feel that way when they lose, right? You see it all the time. But do they make it back? Not very often. And do they make it back and win it? Not very often. And do they get to play the same team again? Not very often, but they did. They had their chance, and boy, did they make the most of it. Were those games close? Not even close. Did they play the game the right way? They played it the right way. We as Christians need to do it God's way. We need to put Him first, let Him direct our lives, and then He will crown our efforts with success. So that when we do have success, we give glory to the Lord. He says, it's not me, it's the Lord. That's what Joseph said. That's what Daniel said. That dream, that interpretation of the dream, Joseph said, it's not in me. Daniel said the same thing. And so may the Lord encourage us today to remember this simple verse. In everything you do, put God first. And he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. If you want to memorize a verse, that's a good one to memorize. Because whether you're a student in school, whether you go to work, whether you're a homemaker, whatever it is, it still works for all those areas of life. In everything you do, put God first. And He will direct you and crown your efforts with success. And I like that word effort. Like we said, everything's a key word. The other second key word also starts with E, efforts. God doesn't reward and bless the lazy. He doesn't reward and bless the procrastinators. He doesn't reward and bless the people that think, well, I've got a lot of talent. I don't have to try very hard. A lot of athletes like that, right? We know a lot of them. They got the talent, but they don't win the the prize, the award, because they don't put the effort in. God wants us to put the effort in. Put him first and put the effort in, and he will crown our lives with success. Before we close in prayer, we're going to see a video And this video is just the the three-minute video. And the title of this song is, I'll Put Jesus 
first in my life. And then we'll close in prayer. The world all about me has now no allure. Its flesh is bring pain. Its wisdom is vain. I seek a foundation that's steadfast and sure. I'll put Jesus first in my life. question again, is the Lord first in our lives? Let's bow our heads and and if anyone is here today who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, He's not first in your life because you haven't taken Him as your Savior. You can take Him today and ask Him to come into your life. 
and pray that He will forgive your sins and accept Him as your personal Savior, the one who died on the cross for your sins, and to accept Him as Lord and Savior, and then He can be first in your life. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray for the Lord to challenge our hearts. Father, we just pray for anyone here who's not saved that they would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for them and for all of us and that they would come to experience the wonder of having you in our lives. And Lord, we pray for us as believers that you will challenge us in this message, convict us, Lord, and may we put you first in everything we do and know that when we have When we do that, we'll have true success and true joy in our lives. Please dismiss us with your blessing. Take us home safely and guide us in all that we do the rest of this day and this new week to come. In Jesus' name.